Hi, and welcome back to All Time Greatness. I'm Paul. You're going to have to get used to this format of just my voice for the next couple weeks because due to personal reasons, Ant wasn't able to hop on with me today, and he's not going to be able to hop on with me next week. So today and next week, all you're going to hear is my voice. But let's get into um football talk first up i'm gonna talk about last thursday's game on amazon prime video where it was the chicago bears visiting the washington commanders two teams with completely different like seasons right now the commanders have had a pretty decent season and they've looked very competitive and i believe they're like three and two with their worst loss coming at home when they played Buffalo, but that's kind of expected because Buffalo is a way better team. And then we have the Chicago Bears entering this game 0-4 with no expectations other than the fact that everyone's starting to think Justin Fields is not the guy and um, Chicago's fan base are starting to burn his jerseys. But Sam Howell looks like he legit could be the franchise guy for Washington so everyone came into this game including myself expecting Washington to just beat the brakes off of Chicago and this was off this was both teams playing off a short week because they had just played on Sunday and then they had really three days to prepare for their next game and they played each other so in this game Things just turned out crazy. Chicago came out with fire. They were leading 17 to nothing just like that. Washington couldn't get anything going. And then all of a sudden, the DJ Moore, the person who they decided to trade for in the offseason to get Justin Fields some help because he didn't really have any true weapons, he decided to have himself a career day. By that point, when they were 17-0, and 0, <clears throat> excuse me, he scored both of their touchdowns. And Fields, the last two games, he's actually looked pretty good, though, because Fields had four touchdowns in each of the last two games, so eight total. But DJ Moore was responsible for, I believe, three of those touchdowns in this game last Thursday because he ended up finishing with, like, like, here's the issue with teams is that nobody's tackling this man. He'll literally catch it like six yards off a hitch route. And then he'll end up running it down the field for like 80 yards. And that was what Washington couldn't stop. He just, they would contest him. Fields would throw the ball. He would make the jump ball and he would catch it in coverage. And he just went crazy. He had, I believe, like 15 receptions or something like that for 200 and uh, I believe 30 yards which was the second most by a Bears receiver if not in history in recent history with the the most recent one prior to that being Alshon Jeffrey where he had 249 yards in a game and DJ Moore just had a career day and this is what people expected to see out of DJ Moore but then the commanders, on the other hand, while they looked bad at the start of the game, they ended up looking pretty good because they were down and then they came back and ended up 
only losing by three and Sam Howell looked really good at first it was Washington like their defense couldn't get a stop either their offense wasn't moving and Chicago was the opposite but then I think the Bears like low-key started to like slack off a little bit and that's how Washington started to make a comeback and almost win so now both teams have had by the time they play again they're gonna have had 10 days off so this is how the Bears are gonna play now then their season might be salvageable if they're gonna play like this the way that they just played last Thursday every single week and Washington I don't really have any changed opinions about them I think they're gonna be just fine with Chase Young finally being back and healthy and moving like how he was when he first got drafted after that torn ACL last season and then an injury the season before that that kept him out for a lot of games where he missed some action but the next game I want to talk about is the London game the there was only one London game this week or as usual there was only one and this time it was the Jacksonville Jaguars playing the Buffalo Bills and the Jaguars played two back-to-back games in London because they had played Atlanta two weeks ago in London and they ended up beating them so they essentially just got to stay in London and get used to like the time change and everything and they had a week they had an extra week to just prepare where the Bills didn't get to London until like last Friday and had less time to get used to everything and go out and you could tell that the Bills, because Josh Allen even said himself, he was jet lagged. Because the Bills came out slow and sloppy. And next thing you know, you look at the scoreboard, Bills are down 11-0. to zero, And they were considered the home team, even though Jacksonville was there for a week. Because the only thing that changed is the arena. Uh, I believe Jacksonville played Atlanta at Wembley Stadium, I believe it was, the previous week. But this game was played at Tottenham Stadium. And then right before the half, this is around when I started watching, um, Josh Allen led the Bills down to a scoring drive right before the half. So then they went into the half down 11 to 7. And then uh, they ended up losing some key pieces in the second half because they already lost Tredavious White for the year with a torn ACL. But now in this game, they lost Daquan Jones to a torn peck. And they lost Matt Milano for the year, I believe, with an ankle injury or some type of leg injury. But they lost now three key pieces of their defense. The only good thing they have for them is that Von Miller is going to come back pretty soon. So they'll at least have him back. But once that happened, they were down 25. I forgot what they were down by. I just know Jacksonville scored 25 I think the Bills might have gotten to like 14 or something or maybe 11 and um, they ended up making the game a five-point game. They were down 25 to 20, but Jacksonville just ended up winning and they looked really good while doing so. And I don't know what it is, but apparently Jacksonville needs to move out of Florida and move to London because they can't lose in London. Ever since the NFL started having games in London and Jacksonville's played in them, Jacksonville has not lost a single game to them. And this was also a rematch from a few years ago where the Bills played the Jags and the Jaguars beat them. 
and only held the Bills to nine points. Josh Allen got outdone by Josh Allen because there's two Josh Allens. Josh Allen, the quarterback for the Bills, and Josh Allen, the lineman for the Jaguars on defense. This was a rematch of that matchup from a few years ago, and Jacksonville won again. So, like, kind of right now, I guess when it comes to London, Jacksonville just owns teams, and now it's gotten to a point where people are saying whenever there's a team that's traveling to London to play Jacksonville, they might as well just not show up or just forfeit the game before it starts because Jacksonville is most likely going to find some way to win that game. But now... Jacksonville I'm not sure who they play next week but my Giants will talk about them in a few minutes here we have to play a Buffalo Bills team in Buffalo at home on Sunday night that's probably going to be pissed off and that's just going to be issues for the Giants and we already have a whole heaping bunch of those as is and we really can't afford to have any more than what we have but next up we're going to talk about yeah, we're going to talk about my Giants and Dolphins now. So in this game, everyone kind of expected, myself included as a Giants fan, much like with the San Francisco game, that the Giants were going to lose this game. And the Giants, they came out kind of flat because we were quickly down 14-0. to But then in the second quarter, our defense flipped a script. Jason Pinnock had a 102-yard interception because the Dolphins drove down the field and then they just played he played Tua's pass perfectly in the end zone and picked it off and ran it all the way back for a pick six and then we held them to three so it was 14 to zero at the half and then we ended up being down 17 to 10 at that point because of the interception because we had already scored a field goal would have had another field goal but we decided to go for it on fourth down early on in the game when we were close to getting seven and it just didn't work out so we turned it over on downs and I don't know what teams are going to do but Tyreek Hill, Devon A-Chain, those guys are insane. That connection that Tyreek Hill has with his whole team but especially with Tyreek is just out of this world. They The Giants gave up 10 explosive plays and couldn't even get one themselves. Tyreek Hill and A-Chain were literally racing on the field to see who's faster. And literally all seven of the fastest runs that have been recorded this season were by the two of them each. But Tyreek ended up hitting 22 miles per hour this past Sunday when earlier in the game A-Chain had ran for 21.77 So they're literally out here, friendly competition as teammates, racing for who's faster. But Tyreek at the end just shows why he's faster. But the Giants just can't get stops. But we ended up causing Tua to throw another interception. And Xavier McKinney caused a fumble that we were able to recover. And Kayvon Thibodeau, he almost had a pick six, which would have made the game interesting. And on top of that, Kayvon has actually been looking like a stud this season because the Giants have five sacks total as a team, and he's responsible for four of them, all four of those coming in the past two games. But the issues that the Giants have been having for why we can't score, because we've been outscored, I believe, like 77 to 
nine prior to that pick six so 77 to 16 now is the fact that it's the offensive line well we also haven't had Saquon Barkley in three games and there's still skepticism that he won't be playing in a fourth straight game and the good thing is the Giants did sign Justin Pugh back welcome back home because we drafted him in 2013 and then we just didn't have the salary space to keep him so we let him go and he's I believe he's only been with the Arizona Cardinals since and now he was a free agent and he agreed to come back to the Giants on the minimum deal so now he's on the Giants again but the offensive line for the Giants is atrocious when we played Seattle we had an opportunity to win that game multiple times but the reason we didn't is because the offensive line let up 10 sacks and Jones had no time to do anything with the ball because by the time he looked up he was already on the ground and he had no protection so he has no protection from his line bad enough to the point where even the times that he actually has a chance to find somebody there's some he's getting pressure in his face so he has to try to just run and try to run because he has no time to throw it or he has to try to just throw it and then it leads to some bad throws he only has two touchdowns to like six interceptions and it's partly on him because he looks like he's I don't know why it's like I heard someone else use this word and I agree with it or like this term it looks like he's shell-shocked out there on the field he's like scared to throw it deep we have all these targets and he's like afraid to throw to them we got Darren Waller in the offseason via trade he's like scared to throw it to Waller but luckily in this game he threw it to him eight times and Waller had had his best game as a Giant so far. We have Jalen Hyatt, who we drafted, only utilized him in that Cardinals game that we came back down twenty-eight to nothing to win thirty-one to twenty-eight all in the second half. We still have Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard. We still have Isaiah Hodgins, and it's like Jones is afraid to throw to all them, but. The other half of the time, he has no time to throw it to them, even if he wanted to. He's been sacked a total of 16 times the past two games because we gave up 10 sacks against Seattle. And then Miami got six sacks on us. And I feel like the Giants not having Andrew Thomas is really hurting the Giants because we drafted him in 2020. He made his bid to be one of the best left tackles in the game. No bias. Like, that's what literally everyone is saying. And he has the statistics to prove it. And so during this offseason, the Giants gave him his money. Five-year deal. I forgot how much it was. And minus the first game, he hasn't played because he tweaked his hamstring in that game against Dallas where we got blown out at home 40-0. to And he hasn't been able to play since. And he's not going to play against the Bills either. So the Giants are unlucky. And the the line has like collapsed ever since he's not on the line. Evan Neal, he's looking like a bust. I I wouldn't say that he's Eric Flowers just yet because he's at least trying to protect his quarterback. Whereas Eric Flowers, when he was a Giant, would literally just, once his man who he was guarding got around him, He would just stand there and watch him run towards Eli Manning or Daniel Jones, rather, or both of them, and not even try. Evan Neal is trying, but I feel like 
they it's because they took Evan Neal out of his comfort zone. Evan Neal, when we drafted him, he was known in college for playing on the left side of the line, and that's where he was most comfortable. Last season, we had him playing on the left side of the line next to Andrew Thomas, and Jones never had to worry about anything from his blind side because the two of them together were able to protect him. But now with Thomas not there, we have a bunch of second and third stringers, half of which don't even look like they are actually linemen to be playing in the league. No offense to them because they obviously are, but it just looks like they aren't. They're just letting everyone get to Jones, and Neil is over here on the right side of the line, out of his comfort zone, and he's struggling, and he's out here, like, blaming the fans. I forgot exactly what he said, but, like, he can't be doing that. Nobody in the league can do that when it comes to the fans, but, like, I didn't care enough to want to talk about that. And as a result of the offensive line not wanting to protect Daniel Jones, or I shouldn't say not wanting to protect not being able to try to protect him as a result in that game against Miami he took a hit and tweaked his neck and he said during an interview I believe it was yesterday or earlier today that he because a reporter asked him a Giants reporter asked him was it like a whiplash kind of thing he said it was but the the thing that's scary about is for everyone who remembers a few years ago back in 2021 Daniel Jones suffered a neck injury and although he was able to throw a football and practice and like practice with the team for the remaining six games of the season he wasn't able to play on the field he had to watch from the sidelines so of course as soon as he gets this neck injury everyone's thinking okay so does this mean that he just basically got the same injury again but he even confirmed it's not like this and he's taking it day by day listening to what the medical team and the doctors say and there's a possibility that because his personal goal is to still play on Sunday and it might be one of those cases where he doesn't get a chance to practice and he just has to jump in the game but his goal is to play in the game so I guess if he has to play in the game without having any practice this week he's willing to do that Saquon we desperately need him back because Jones aside from getting sacked all the time since Barkley is out Matt Breida and Eric Gray are only going to get so many carries and Jones has to run a lot so aside from taking the sacks he's also getting hit when running because he's not a quarterback that likes to run out of bounds to protect himself or slide he's a quarterback that likes to run and try to get as many yards as he can as much yardage as he as he can and just take the hit at the end kind of like Josh Allen that's not how a quarterback should be if they are a runner but that's just how the two of them play so it's going to be interesting to see them when they do this matchup on Sunday um but hopefully Jones is able to play and hopefully we can get Saquon back and we need Andrew Thomas back badly and now that we have Justin Pugh Hopefully, even if his body's not like in shape, hopefully he's had enough reps and he's able to return to the team because I think the Giants just really need a veteran leader who they don't have on the team because the veteran leaders that we had on the team, we just let walk. We had Nick Gates, who was a really good center, who came back from a almost career ending leg injury against Washington a few years ago on Thursday night primetime. He had to have multiple leg surgeries. He came back last season and he looked really good. We let him walk and he signed with a divisional rival in Washington. 
Then we had John Feliciano, who I think we should have signed. Or I don't even think Nick Gates was a center, but he played center also. Feliciano was a center, and we let him walk to San Francisco. And now, look, he's having very good success over there. So we lost our veteran guys. We have Mark Glowinski, but he's also struggling and everything. So we just need Andrew Thomas back. Hopefully, Justin Pugh can play, and we need Saquon back, and hopefully... Daniel Jones can play because right now he's not showing that he's worth that money. Although it's not completely his fault, he has to take some of the blame here. Like anybody will tell you who knows me, I've been a supporter of Daniel Jones from day one. I've always had his back even when people were saying he's not the guy early on in his career. I've always had his back because I knew that even though I don't watch college, we could see glimpses of what he can do. Because obviously if he's in the league, he's good at playing his position he just needed to be in the right system i feel like he's in the right system it's just that he doesn't have the protection to have the time to make the throws that he needs to make or the plays that he needs to make and he's also not actually trying to make the plays when they're actually there for him to make and last season showed he can be that guy but i do think it was too soon for us to sign him to the money that we signed him to. But moving on to the next game, we have Wandale Robinson. We also have him too. But moving on to the next game, we have the Jets versus the Broncos. I'm pretty sure everyone went into this game thinking this game was not going to be good because there was multiple Wilsons in this game, first of all. We have Zach Wilson on the Jets. We have Russell Wilson on the Broncos. And for the receiving core of the Jets, we have Garrett Wilson. But... Russell Wilson got outdueled by Zach Wilson, although it it's kind of like the Jets kind of bailed. The Jets defense is honestly, if they get to the playoffs, the Jets defense is going to be what carries them there. Because while Zach Wilson has shown glimpses of greatness and like glimpses of the BYU Zach Wilson that everyone knows him as, he hasn't shown it enough and the team is only being in the game because the defense is keeping them there so if the defense can carry them to the playoffs they'll be fine but I feel like the defense is really bailing Zach Wilson out right here and I still don't understand why Robert Sala doesn't sign a veteran quarterback for Wilson not only just so Wilson can learn but also because you lost Aaron Rodgers four snaps into the start of the regular season for the Jets and Wilson is your only backup aside from Mike White. But what happens if Wilson gets hurt and it's also a long-term injury like Rodgers and all you have is Mike White? You still are going to need another quarterback unless you have a receiver who played some quarterback in college and can play quarterback because there's a lot of receivers in the league who can do that. There's a lot of receivers who played um quarterback in college and then they were also a receiver but when they went in the league they were drafted to be a receiver but they still know how to throw a football and they know how to be a quarterback so I think the Jets their best bet even though Salah said Wilson is the one who gives them the best chance at winning right now should seriously look at adding a veteran to the team just in case because like I don't know why 
you couldn't just re-sign Joe Flacco and why I don't know but the Jets have a lot Broncos I don't know I think they're done and they definitely will not be making the playoffs I don't think because you lost and gave up 70 points to a team I guess your only excuse is that they were the home team and you guys weren't, but that's still inexcusable because those are Madden numbers. Those are not real-life numbers you see every single week in the NFL. Those are numbers you would put up in Madden. I've done it personally speaking. So, like, the Broncos, I don't know. Their offense, it just... I'm starting to think that Wilson is the issue. Before, I thought... Okay, maybe it's Nathaniel Hackett because he's not a good head coach, which was all this was also his revenge game, by the way, because Sean Payton said Nathaniel Hackett's coaching tenure that didn't even go the entire last season was one of, if not the worst coaching jobs ever. So this was a revenge game for Hackett being the offensive coordinator of the Jets. So they ended up winning because of that also. But at first I thought this was because of Hackett. So I figured, okay, they have Sean Payton a proven coach who's won a Super Bowl with Drew Brees, but so far on the season, he's also struggling. So now I'm starting to think that it's a Russell Wilson issue as well. Like, yeah, in this game and in the game against the Bears, Wilson has shown glimpses of his prime Seattle self, but he hasn't been doing this and the Broncos have not been winning enough games. So I don't have my hopes up for them at all. But anyways, the next game I want to talk about is the Sunday night game against or the Sunday night game where it was the Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys visiting, excuse me, the San Francisco 49ers. First off, I'm I'm going to be biased, but not on purpose. It was nice for once as a Giants fan to see the Cowboys get mollywopped. 42 to 10. Did I expect it though? No, I expected this game to be hard hitting and very competitive, a defensive battle and come down to probably one of the defenses having to make a play to win the game because these are two of the best, if not the two best defenses in the league. So I did expect San Francisco to win, but I didn't expect them to win at home 42 to 10. The reason they won is because their defense went off George Kittle had himself a career day. This was his first game having three touchdowns in his career. And Christian McCaffrey, as he normally does when he's healthy and he just continues to show it, is one of, if not the best running back in the NFL when he's healthy. Brock Purdy is legit looking like the franchise guy and he moved up in the rankings for MVP. And Dallas, on the other hand, they just struggled, I guess. San Francisco was too much for them. Dak Prescott went back to doing what everyone was saying is why they need to move on from him in the first place from last year when he threw 15 interceptions. The press conference before the game, they reminded him that he threw a bunch of interceptions and then he was glad that they were like pissing him off in the press conference because he was going to use that as fuel to beat San Francisco because they also reminded him that the last two times that he's brought the Cowboys to the playoffs, San Francisco, much like when Aaron Rodgers was on the Packers and they would always beat him. And that's the reason he couldn't get more than one Super Bowl when he was on the Packers or at least get to the game. 
let alone the NFC Championship, the 49ers have also beaten the Cowboys the past number of times that Dak Dak has led them there. And then he goes out and throws three interceptions and then says it was the most humble game he's been a part of. So I, I think, personally, San Francisco has the best offense in the league. And I personally, I said this a few weeks ago, and I'm going to stand by it. I personally can see a San Francisco 49ers versus Miami Dolphins Super Bowl because I think that these are... In the NFC, I feel like the 49ers are the best team in the NFC aside from the Eagles. But even then, taking my bias out, the reason I don't have the Eagles atop the NFC at number one is because, yes, they're also 5-0 and like San Francisco. But unlike last season, they're not blowing teams out. Their games are scrappy and it's coming down to the last possession. But a win's a win. And at the end of the day, as long as you win and just keep improving, it doesn't matter as much. And I know that San Francisco plays the Eagles later on this year. So if both teams can stay undefeated until then, because they're the only two remaining undefeated squads, then that game will be a battle of the undefeateds for where somebody has to lose. And if you ask me, I think San Francisco wins that game, taking my Giants fan bias out. I think San Francisco wins that game. I think they have a heck of a better defense. They have a better offense. I just feel like the Eagles have a better offensive line because nobody can stop that tush push that they do. They're the only team that does it to the succession that the Eagles have been doing it. So all in all, I can definitely see the Eagles and the 49ers in a playoff matchup. And I think the 49ers can represent the NFC. Out of the AFC, the reason I said Miami is because minus the Chiefs and the Bills, I don't think there's another team in the AFC that stacks up to the level of Miami. I know some of you are going to say Cincinnati, some of you are going to say Baltimore, but I'm like, Cincinnati, they're not going to because minus one game this year, they've really struggled because they just don't want to sit Joe Burrow. They didn't sit him. He suffered a calf injury and he's been playing through it this entire time. But that lingering calf, that lingering calf injury is going to continue to come back. And like, even if it goes away, it's always going to be there. It's going to hurt him. And you can tell because he's in the pocket. Normally he's able to move when he feels or sees pressure coming his way and move in the pocket to try to make a play. But with his calf injury, he's kind of staying as a mobile quarterback, kind of like a Phillip Rivers or a Tom Brady or Eli Manning or Peyton Manning, for instance. And it's hurting them because he's not able to make the throws he's making. But yes, this past game they played against Arizona, he and Jamar Chase went off. Jamar Chase had 15 receptions, 294 yards and three touchdowns. Their LSU connection finally was clicking like how it was last year. But I don't think the Bengals are the team. Ravens, maybe, but their receivers can't catch anything. They lost to the Steelers 17-10. to And literally, if their receivers would have caught like half those passes, they probably beat the Steelers, even with T.J. Watt leading the Pittsburgh defense. But the last game I want to talk about before I get into power rankings is the Monday night game that took place. It was the Green Bay Packers visiting the... Las Vegas Raiders 
and this game was a very slow game at the start where both of the defenses were making a stand and it was funny because the kicker on the Raiders and the kicker on the Packers their brothers Daniel Carlson on the Raiders and I forgot what the his brother's first name is on the Packers so their parents and a few siblings were at their game repping both teams because obviously they just they're gonna support their sons and um, brothers but this was a game where the Packers they look like they were struggling more now we're starting to see it looks to me the Packers that we expected to see without Aaron Rodgers where they looked good early on in the season now ever since that game where they came back behind 17 nothing in the fourth quarter against the Saints they have not looked like that team from the beginning of the season they've been struggling Jordan Love is looking like he's not going to pan out all that well but I think he is I think it's just he's still trying to gain rhythm and like he's still trying to take in the fact that he's the number one guy now and like he's trying to show and then the receivers they're struggling and I think what's hurting is you lost David Bakhtiari again because he has had four knee surgeries in the past three years and now his future of continuing to play is still up in the air and the Packers just didn't look that good. The Raiders, on the other hand, this was supposed to be Devontae Adams' revenge game against his previous team at home, but he was barely used. He only had two targets the whole game, and that fourth one came in garbage time, pretty much. But the Raiders ended up winning 17-13, to and it wasn't as good of a game as I thought it was going to be, but it was still nice to see a little friendly brother competition and a nice matchup to close out the week five games so now i'm gonna go into my power rankings and then i'm gonna if i have the time i'm gonna give you guys my predictions for the next slate of games that are taking place starting tomorrow so at number one to nobody's surprise like i just said a few minutes ago I have the 49ers for all the reasons that I just said. And at number two, just like I just said, I have the Philadelphia Eagles at number two. I have Miami at number three for everything I said. Kansas City I have at number four because they beat the Vikings, but it was a close game. They lost Kelsey for a little bit of a non-contact injury, but he came back in the second half, so he's fine. I have... The Bills at number five, they slipped a little bit because I think I had them at like top four last last week and they slipped because of that Jacksonville loss. I have the Ravens at six. I have the Lions at seven, but if the Lions play like how they have been, they're going to easily be enough. They're going to be a top five team for me next week. I have the Seahawks at eight because they were on their bye week, so I didn't really move them. Jacksonville, I put them at nine because they're just playing like they're going to win the AFC. They're playing like they're going to win the AFC South again. So I have them at number nine. They're playing really well this year. Ten, I have the Commanders because they're playing really well. Eleven, I have the Bengals because minus Arizona, they still have not looked like a good team this year and playing not having Burroughs sit those first couple games 
to make sure he was 100% with that calf is the reason why I have the Los Angeles Chargers at 12. They were also on their bye week. I have the Jets at 13 because of everything I said. I have the Cowboys at 14 because of the way that they really didn't even put up a fight against San Francisco. 15, I have the Steelers because, again, if it wasn't for TJ Watt, that offense is still not clicking. So if it wasn't for TJ Watt and the defense, they wouldn't be winning these games. It's basic. The Steelers are basically the same as the Jets. Their defense is going to be what carries them to the playoffs if they make it. Kenny Pickett, I'm not saying he's not the guy, but it's the same situation as Wilson where the offense is hit or miss and the defense is the reason why they keep games close or end up winning. 16, because of that one performance, I have the Chicago Bears because they've looked good the past few weeks. 17, I have the Browns. Yeah, they lost this week, but Watson didn't play and they had a rookie quarterback out there in his first game. And of course, he's going to struggle, but he put up some pretty decent numbers for a first game rookie as an emergency. 18, I have the Los Angeles Rams because of the fact that one, you already have Puka Nakua, the rookie, who's just going absolutely insane this year. But now you got Cooper Cutback, so the rest of the league better watch out. Because with those two as a duo, and then they don't have Van Jefferson anymore because he got traded to Atlanta. But I guess it's not a surprise because like with Cam Akers, Sean McVay said they didn't really have anything for him on the team anymore. So now he's with Minnesota. And speaking of Minnesota, I have the Vikings at 19. And they're probably going to drop a little bit over the next few weeks because unfortunately for them, Justin Jefferson has a hamstring injury and they said they're not going to rush him back out on the field even though he's a top three receiver and he's going to be out for at least the next four games. So they're probably going to slip because not having him when he's the best player on their team, that's going to be an issue. 20, I have the New Orleans Saints because um, I have them at 20 just because I don't feel like they're that good a team yet to be higher. 21, I have the Green Bay Packers for everything I said. And then right below them, I have my New York Giants at 22, slowly dropping down because we're not playing that well this season. And we had so many expectations and it hurts me. 23, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because while Baker looks like he could be like the guy that they need, they still have a lot of issues that they got to work out. 24, I have the Broncos just because they've looked a little bit better the past few weeks, but they still have a lot of work to do. 25, I have the Colts because they haven't looked that good. Yeah, you actually somehow shockingly, even though he wanted a trade, were able to re-signed Jonathan Taylor to a three-year deal but now you lost Anthony Richardson for four games at least because of a shoulder injury so that's gonna hurt a little bit 26 I have the Raiders for everything I said the Texans I have at 27 because CJ Stroud he's looking really good he has a lot of touchdowns for only five games in his NFL career and he looks really good but the team around is just not that good 28, I have the New England Patriots because I don't think that Belichick is the answer for them anymore. And I don't think, I don't know if Mac Jones is really the guy anymore because they got beat 34 to 0 at home against the Saints. So I have a lot of questions about the Patriots. 29, I have 
the Atlanta Falcons because Desmond Ritter looks okay and all, but none of the weapons are getting used. Kyle Pitts not getting used. Drake London barely gets the ball. B. John Robinson is like the only bright spot on that team as of right now. 30, I have the Arizona Cardinals because, again, I think they're just trying to hold out until Kyler Murray comes back. But they are actually competing in these games and keeping the games close. 31, I have the Tennessee Titans because minus that one game last week where they routed the Bengals, they have not looked good this season either. And nobody on the team is even hurt for them to have that excuse. And 32, to nobody's surprise, I have the Carolina Panthers because they're the only winless team in the league at 0-5. And... Bryce Young is just struggling and I think it's because he's kind of like Drew Brees in a way where he's on the shorter side it's harder for him to see but I think with some development time he'll be fine so now to close out the episode I'm going to give you guys the predictions for a few of the games off the top of the dome that I have so Thursday night we have the Chiefs picking the Bron- taking on the Broncos obviously I'm taking the Chiefs in this game. It's in Arrowhead, but even if it wasn't, I'm pretty sure the Chiefs are going to win anyway. Sunday, we have my Giants against the Bills on Sunday. Now, this is pretty interesting. I am picking the Bills, and I know a lot of you are going to be shocked hearing this, but I actually think it'll be a close game, and here's why. Because, one, it's a revenge game for Tyrod Taylor and also... Brian Dable, we got him from there last season when he was the offensive coordinator. We got Joe Shane, who was a general manager over there. We got him. And then aside from Tyrod Taylor, we also have Isaiah Hodgins, Boogie Basham, um, Cole Beasley. I'm not sure if he's going to play, but he's on the practice squad or on IR, one of the two. But either way, he was on the Bills. Um, Yeah, Boogie Basham, Isaiah Hodgins. And a whole bunch of other people I'm not remembering. So this is going to be a revenge game for the team. And I feel like if we somehow win this game, it would be because of the fact that, oh, also Matt Breida was on the Bills for a little while. So I feel like if we win this game, but I'm picking the Bills, it would be because um, because of the fact that we have all these people who were on the bills they know the system and everything 